Would you pray with me? God, we, we hear your words. We read your words. We understand them. And, and so instill them in our, in our hearts and lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, I'm glad we have women who pray in this church. Every vital church has women who pray persistently. And why is it women? I, I, I think of women in the Bible who, like, like this woman, this, this widow, or, or Hannah, uh, Hannah, um, Samuel's mom, who, who prayed so fervently on the steps of the temple that the priest Eli thought she was drunk. It's women. And then you, and then you turn to men who pray. Well, there's Peter, James, and John who went to the, who went to the mountain with Jesus, and Jesus asked them to pray with him, and they went to sleep. So it's the women of the church who who keep a vital church. Marie, you've been persistent in your in your playing. It's a gift. When I was younger, I visited a family who told me they prayed every year for a car. And he got one. So now they're praying for an air conditioner. <laughs> you know, I would confess, I, I, I was revulsed. Why would God give a car to everyone who prayed for one? We could do that here, couldn't we? And everyone pray for a car. These people weren't poor. Without a strong faith upbringing, I might have dispensed God the way I did Santa Claus. But the widow in this in this parable is praying for justice. And that inspires me. I can only imagine what our younger generations have heard that have turned them off or against the church the way I was tempted after that encounter. There are churches that do preach individual prosperity and maybe they do pray for cars and ACs. And there are Christian churches that follow certain selections of the ancient law, but not all of it, parts of which even the first disciples rejected and other parts which have been abandoned by the church in centuries since. If you're, if you're interested, come to Attorney Brady Henderson's Wednesday night live class at 6.30 here at the church on law and the Bible. Last, last week he discussed Abortion in law and the Bible. And this week, as if he knew what the news would bring, he's discussing capital punishment. And he doesn't present one side. He, he raises the questions for us. The apostles of Jesus rejected the ancient laws regarding relations with the Gentiles, for example, and eating unclean food, relations in marriage. The, the apostles rejected much of that. 
Then John Wesley in the 18th century rejected laws that permitted slavery. He rejected laws that restricted the roles of lay men and women in church. And so today, the church of our children and grandchildren is rejecting ancient laws regarding gender and racial minority status, where science and experience have informed us. They have good friends and teammates who are gender and racial minorities and who believe in Jesus Christ, friends who are rejected or limited in their engagement, even by the church. We condemn the German church for remaining silent during the genocide of the 30s and 40s. So the persistent widow in this parable of Jesus, persistently seeking justice from a disrespectful judge, draws my attention to voices of those who are in need in our own time, even the voices of many of our own children, our daughter's best friend of 10 years, Now a rocket scientist is bisexual and goes by the pronouns they, them. She will not commit to a church that refuses ordination, leadership, or respect to people like her best friend, whether it comes from within or outside the church. God will hear the persistent cry for justice. As the world changes, its needs change. And laws, even religious laws, change. At one time, pork was forbidden, but then we learned to feed the hogs hygienically and cook the meat thoroughly. At one time, mixing seeds to plant in the same field was unwise and forbidden, but But large fields and modern technology, we know how to wisely plant two crops. Uniquely, cow's milk is digestible by human infants, unlike buffalo milk. And so if cow's milk, cows were slaughtered for food during droughts or food security in India, infants would die when mother's breast is dry. Now refrigeration and formula, the practice of protecting cows as sacred mothers, might eventually change. You know, when there were five million people in the world with responsibility to manage the whole earth, that's the population of Wisconsin giving the entire earth to care for, it was important to be fertile and multiply I read in Deuteronomy that men with damaged organs were prohibited from entering the temple. I don't know how they checked, but they could not go into the temple. But, you know, now there are 8 billion people, a doubling in my lifetime. And our numbers and living patterns are threatening the very health of the creation we were to manage. And we, therefore, changing our patterns, our legal practices and demands for justice, now including justice for the earth. Living according to an ancient legal code because it was the practice of faith 3,000 years ago is neither a sign of faith nor a sign of wisdom. 
God gave us minds and hearts. Give us Jesus Christ to teach and forgive. And the Holy Spirit to guide and empower us. Pray with open minds and hearts. God sees from a much wider perspective than we do in space and time. So, how do we pray persistently if everything keeps changing? In Micah 6.8, we learn to give God mercy, justice, and humility. And after thousands of years, these are still values for the church. And Jesus commanded us to love God and neighbor and commissioned us to spread his teachings across the world that they might be saved. And that still guides us. The mission of this church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ who love God, care for each other, and serve in the world. And we still find guidance and purpose in that. We can each, as families and individuals, define our mission and our prayer. My wife and I pray constantly to follow God's call. You could say that is the mission statement for our family. And yes, we've been surprised at where that call has led us. We ponder about how many times we have to sell our furniture before God takes us to retirement in Korea. I've told many that my wife sent me to annual conference this year with clear instructions to say no to another appointment. Well, I did. But when we heard this church where our family grew up would be left without a pastor and we were asked to delay retirement again, we knew it was God's call. So we said yes. That's what mission and constant prayer do. How do you know it's God's call? Well, in our case, because we're both praying individually and together, it seems we know it's God's call when we freely agree with each other. It just kind of dawns, yes, that is God's call. There is no other way. We took marriage vows before God and trust God will not tear us apart. We're, we're both strong in our faith. So when we disagree, we disagree strongly and the neighbors might hear. But we also respect and care for each other. So we're learning not to insist when the other is clearly in disagreement. And that goes both ways. But in my retirement years, I've decided these are JR's years, my wife's years, and, and I will go where she leads. Both of us are praying to follow God's call. Whether it's sermon preparation or appointment response to the bishop, that is our mission and our life, and it gives us great joy. So I'd like to encourage you as individuals and families to state your mission in a way that is focused to give guidance but broad enough to envelop your values and important commitments. Remember, your baptism was made before God and parents 
vowed to raise their children in the faith. Remember your marriage, especially if done in a church, was made before God, and you vowed to remain faithful. Your family is part of your mission. These commitments must be honored by your mission statement. Traditionally, the religious took vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Poverty to not want what doesn't help you do your mission. Chastity to will only one thing defined by your mission. Obedience to remain faithful to your mission and its vows and not to give in to temptation to deviate. In the Christian context, the mission is to do the will of God as expressed in Christ, to love God and neighbor and teach others to follow this way. If there is conflict between you and your job, God's calling, recognize that conflict and pray about it. You may eventually have to choose one or a third way. God is patient, but don't lose sight of the conflict you're in and and ask guidance to resolve it. For three years, for example, I sensed I needed to leave teaching and to move to full-time pastoral ministry. I struggled with it, prayed about it. You see, when you're teaching in the university, there's three months off in the summer. And then a month of other times, New Year's and spring break and fall break. Well, pastoral ministry, I'm learning there's, there's not even a day off. Well, when the college downsized and eliminated several majors, including those I taught and invited early retirement, I, well, I was upset, but understood it as an act of God. Sometimes God doesn't wait. For the church, poverty would have us not desire what isn't needed to do our mission. Chastity would have us not do programs or use our resources in ways that don't accomplish that mission. Obedience would have us remember that we are worshipers of Christ and not political parties, sports teams, or jobs. Persistent prayer in thought, word, and deed. Don't be afraid. God is not a nagging or abusive spouse, is not absent, does not want to control your life, but invite you into life. God loves you and needs you as you are. God will use your unique gifts and strengths to care for creation. Go ahead and pray. Open your heart. Pray persistently. Pray for justice. Pray for your partner, your fam. Pray with your partner, your family. For God to use you, no matter how young or old you are, a senior member or not even a member. Pray for our church to remain faithful and open to the guidance and strength of the Spirit of God. Pray for justice persistently. This is my prayer. Amen.